wanted to start off um, so a bit. I've known you how long? Four years. Yes, yeah, so four, four years. Four. And you're from Chandler, right? No, I'm from Phoenix. I'm Phoenix, from my Nevada. bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you're born and raised here, though, right? So um, let's talk a little bit about, so you went, first of all, I'll introduce you. So you're a, a father, a husband, and we push good men in our, on our podcast. So uh, what that's about, and we kind of repeat ourselves just so new audience members understand, is that we think a lot of our problems today stems from men that need to be better. So we think that good male role models need to be pushed as uh, what young boys, young girls need to um, understand what a good man is. Because unfortunately, we have a lot of you know, things in the media, whether it's politicians that are always messing up or athletes or celebrities, it's like, they're not given um, just good examples. So um, you are our good man segment, because I've known you four years. Um, you're an ER physician. You're just a cool guy. You know, you're not the not nerdy dude. That. I mean, <laughs> you could talk sports, at least. That's why yeah. I dressed up a bit. Um, and that's not easy to be smart, have a stressful job, and then just be fun to be around. Because um, the ER sucks, man, at times. Especially now. Yeah, it, it blows, right? Oh. So um, I don't think anyone's like loving going to work. So no. No. how are you um, balancing kind of your life right now? My, my life is, is, I don't know if I can cuss on this, so I'll say freaking nuts right now. You can uh, if you want, man. It's up to you. <laughs> so not only you know am I working full time, but I've got two side projects that I'm uh, want a CMO on and want a, a VP on. Both are COVID related, so it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. I, I got to say, you know, I do my 35 ish hours a, a week of ER, and then I'm probably taking maybe 10 to 15 hours of Zoom calls a week, plus having the, the two kiddos and at least trying to make Lauren happy yeah man so how uh how long have you been with lauren your wife uh we met in when i was in residency so it'd be the end of 2013 and uh we did long distance for about a year and a half which was interesting and then as soon as i moved here for a job which i moved here for her uh we moved right in together and rest history and how old are your daughters so izzy's three and a half and ellie is 15 months so not easy ages, I assume. Nope. Especially <laughs> Ellie, that 15 months, man. They're, they're into everything, but don't know not to do things yet. Are you um, done having kids? Yeah, well, done trying, but I haven't gotten fixed yet. That's coming up soon. Are you going to do that yourself? Because I heard a urologist. No, I got, you know, I was going to go get a mirror and, you know, have maybe Hess's backup in case things go awry. Yeah, right. Dude, you're pretty, ha- you're pretty hands-on guy. I mean, on your free time, you build farm doors. You know, I'm like, what? Yeah, like I built that. I, I built our chicken coop and our pool bar and a big old playhouse for the kids. It's, it's a fun hobby. That's awesome, too. So um, what? why did you go into medicine? Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, everyone's like, oh, I always wanted to be a doctor. Man, like, I had no idea. So I got to U of A, and um, I took some engineering classes. I took some kind of pre-law stuff, and nothing really you know, clicked. So I was given the suggestion to go volunteer over at uh, the, the U of A hospital. And I did, I was on the, the peds floor and ran the, uh, the children's life kind of, I guess, area where they can play and do kids stuff. And I just thought it was awesome. And then, so I started taking those kind of classes and really, really enjoyed it and jumped on in. That's awesome. So, um, so what age were you when you went to med school? Uh, I started at 24. Three. Okay. Yeah. So still pretty, pretty young. 
I mean, that's like right on time. Um, yeah, I just uh, I'm on the lower end of, of the age because usually I think the average age is like 25 or something for starting. I just think, uh, you know, I'm just a nurse practitioner or I'm a nurse practitioner. I just can't imagine I'm schooling. I imagine the amount of schooling you go to, dude, I just can't like the commitment, you know, like how, what keeps you in for four years of med school and then you have what, three to four year residency, roughly something like that. Uh, for ER it's three, but I mean, it's anywhere from three to seven or eight, depending on what you want to do. Like, it just seems like that's not, Hey, I just want to be a plumber. And right. I don't, not knocking a plumbing. I'm just saying you can get satisfaction pretty quick with that. So I just, I look up to all physicians and just the dedication, the hoops you got to go through until you're finally like 32 and yep. like kind of, you know, independent. And right. I just like, I don't know, man, like, would you recommend for your daughters to be a physician now? It would be, it would have to align with their, um, with their life goals, right? So if, uh, if they want to come right out of college, run right through med school, run right through residency, and, and then they're cool having families after that, great. If they are very family-oriented, which I think Izzy's going to be, she's going to be a mom for sure. Um, if she wants to be that mom that's home with her kids and has a lot of time with her kids, like she either has, will have to wait until you're in your early mid-30s or she's going to have to do something else. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I've had like 20 jobs, man. <laughs> I mean, I just can't sit still. I'm so glad I became an NP because now you can just jump around and do different things, yeah. dabble a bit. That, that um, is the cool thing about NP, PA is you, you get through school and all it takes is a little bit of training in whatever field you want to do and then you can jump to something else. I think that's mm -hmm. a really cool option. Do you, how do you see the field of medicine adapting in the future? Yeah, that's kind of an open question. Uh, it is open. What, are, what do you think could make it a better, like better, more feasible for doctors to have more work-life balance or just more appealing? You know, I still think the ER, other than maybe a little bit more on the stressful side, is pretty appealing because we, we work, you know, pretty good hours. We, uh, we get, you know, a lot of days off where we get things done and you can really kind of fashion your schedule the way you want it to, but... I think we're hamstrung a lot of times by um, obviously like the insurance industry and sometimes by hospitals that are owned by bigger corporations or even like the ER groups that are owned, owned, sorry, owned by bigger corporations that, you know, expect things that, you know, they were never physicians themselves. You know, they expect these things that, you know, maybe aren't attainable with the resources that we have. So that, that makes things a little bit difficult. So I, I don't know how we can, fix that but that would make things a lot more enjoyable yeah i uh i've heard the er physician be called the blue collar physician a bit i always like that term because blue collar to me is all my family i'm You're the first one kid, right yeah i'm the i'm the worst i'm the first one in my family with a bachelor's degree so i come i come from very like just blue collar hands-on stuff right. so do you yeah, even get a master's degree was i'm in the same yeah. same boat as you so i think it's cool that um you know, we didn't come from like lawyer backgrounds where you were expected to go to school. Like I didn't want to go to college, man, <laughs> like at all. I just wanted to be a firefighter is what my family does. But uh, I kind of fell into this. But um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. It is sad how some physicians that I've, I've heard that I talk to, I go, hey, would you recommend this to your kids? And a lot of them say no. Um, or the best response is what you gave. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say wholeheartedly this is what you have to do you're going to love it right it has to totally align with what she values in life and if it's the hard work and doing something that's going to pay off in the end and be you know at least relatively rewarding but at the cost of kind of your whole 20s great mm -hmm. but i wouldn't fully endorse 100 percent for everybody you know yeah no definitely i think that's a good balance what does your wife do for a living if you don't mind asking 
so she just kind of like how we are in the ER. She's a little bit of a jack of all trades. She, um, so she does marketing, internal communication, branding, all, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was working for six years with a, a, um, apartment kind of management company doing all that work. And then they actually recently got bought out and she jumped on board with the project that I'm working on right now with a good friend of mine. It's called wealthy. Um, Mm. and she's doing all of that stuff for him, um, at this point. And, uh, kind of see, she, she kind of wants to start her own company as well. So she's kind of in flux between the two of those things. And, um, I think she's going to end up doing both. That's awesome. Yeah. Why not? Why not just do both? Huh? Yeah. What is, so talk to me about wealthy. That's one of the projects you're working on, right? Yeah. So my best friend from med school, Steve, Steve Moyle, he started this um, kind of organization about maybe a year and a half, two years ago that um, his main passion was like cardiac health, preventative health, that sort of stuff. And he built this kind of health platform, which you know, you'd have all of your medical records, access to telehealth, but give you cardiac risk factors and, and, you know, that sort of stuff was, was his main goal was to reduce, you know, the poor cardiac health in, in the States. So it actually, he actually pivoted about what, two months ago or so when the COVID outbreak, you know, hit. So he has this online platform. He's like, Oh, what better to use it for than this pandemic. Right. So mm-hmm. the piece, so the, one of the big focuses that we're working on is, is getting schools and, and businesses and universities back open. Right. Yeah. So we are working on um, a COVID screening app that has, you know, all the questions and temperatures and all that stuff that, um, you know, a teacher can do or the principal or whoever's going to manage it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes with a lot of kind of backside analytics that allows for contact tracing. And so if you have, say, a vendor comes to, you know, your office building and they have to sign in with the COVID app and you know, four days later ends up getting symptoms, two days later ends up getting symptoms. You can go report back on there and say, Hey, I had symptoms. And then, you know, he was on this floor and came in contact with these people on that day and makes, uh, makes the tracing a lot easier for the companies using this. So I've been focusing mostly on getting this into schools because that's obviously a really huge topic right now is getting these schools back open and having both parents, kids and and teachers feel safe about doing so. Cause I think it's, mm-hmm incredibly important as you know we've had these conversations on the side before that thing schools need to be open this is yeah can we um so you're you know you're wearing multiple hats here right so you're a physician so can you talk about what your experience has been uh with kids with covid oh i mean i'm i'm in an area where i predominantly work now is it's not a a high population of kiddos so i can't be the one that's that really speaks to this it's mostly the elderly population but I, I mean, I've seen kids with URIs. I've read the reports. I mean, it's, it's almost universally not, they're not sick universally. Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, they, there's that kind of inflammatory disease that that's, that we're seeing pop up. But again, that's really low percentages. And then there's a question of, well, if they're asymptomatic mostly, do they really transmit? But I don't think we can really say definitively you know, which way or the other on that one yet. But. Isn't it, isn't it kind of hard with medicine is that we really want, like, especially during tough times, like we want a really good answer. And right. unfortunately, like it takes time when we have a novel new virus to have good testing, to have good antibody testing. You know, it's just hard, like people, especially, you know, people that are scared, they want this firm answer. We want to give it, but we, we can't. 
that's a, that's a big frustration, right? Cause you know, it's when you're in the ER, you have this kind of limited amount of time with people and you have to really establish kind of, you know, trust, you know, between the doctor, patient, nurse, patient, even the urgent care, MP patient. And when you're shrugging your shoulders and you're like, I don't know, when they're asking you specific questions about, you know, the potential diagnosis of COVID or whether they're going to get a test back in 24, 48 hours, you know, when everything was, was, it was, was new, new at the beginning, like mm-hmm. it was really frustrating because you could tell like, this patient, like, do they, does this guy know what he's doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then you lose that respect where, man, you've been in school for a long time. You work your butt off, you take pride in what you do. And, you know, sometimes the best answer is, I don't know. I right. can tell you what I do know. Right. As in like, you know, you come with URI symptoms of fever. Like, I think you'll be okay. You're 22 years old. Right. But a lot, right. A lot. Right. I'm, I'm having to tell, you know, Hey, I wouldn't worry about your kids as much as the mom that's worried. I would worry more about, you know, your grandma and grandpa is what I'm worried about. And I think um, you have so many providers that are trying to speak up like yourself or, you know, other ones that are trying and it just sucks that, I don't know. It's just taking a toll on me even, man. Like, Social media is a monster that we need. Right now, yeah. yeah, dude, it's it's brutal, man. I don't even have Twitter. <laughs> like, no. I can't have it. Right. Um, it's awful. It's the, yeah, the misinformation. It's tough because it's not it's not necessarily even for some people misinformation or purposely guiding them another direction. It's just you can take all of this info that you're seeing and you can interpret it in any any way you want, or at least convey your facts to fit whatever narrative you want. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily you're lying. It's just Hey, these facts look good for what I want to know. And this facts look, you know, these facts look good for what I want to think. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of helps form this like wall that you can't really get past when talking to somebody about the virus. It's, it's really, it's really interesting and strange at the same time. So something I, I enjoyed with uh, emergency room physicians, again, I worked in different areas as nursing and stuff. So I noticed that specialists in general, I guess I'm generalizing, um, I think they have a lot more intellectual bias and confirmation bias because that's what they spend their time doing and they're not around staff as often. So what was nice about ER physicians is I think the way they communicate is usually more well-rounded because you're able to communicate with it. You're always with the staff. You're always with the patient. You're, you know what I mean? So I think it just helps. Um, I think it's getting better overall. But like, it's really hard to be compassionate to the business owner at the same time as the scared mom of her kid that has a heart defect. You know, it's just so hard that everyone's hurting. Mm -hmm. So how do you convey that as well as give good information? I mean, it's, it's just a tough spot. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I have, you know, people texting me all the time about, well, you know, one of the restaurant owners that I know is like, Oh, well I have this symptom. I need to close the whole thing down. I'm like, well, pause let's get yourself tested or let's get whatever staff you've been in contact with tested and you know like don't jump to conclusions this might just mm-hmm. be a cold it's just it's tough man like because obviously closing everything down and i was a proponent for it the first time um the second time around i was more disappointed that we had to come to that yeah um just because we had no plans in place but uh, we need to be open. Like people need to make a living. We just need mm-hmm. to be more responsible about doing the things that we want to do, or at least limit the things we want to do. But it doesn't seem like people can, can have that kind of patience levels in this. Yeah. I think, so. um, you know, the United States, I think we actually did a pretty good job of shutting down initially. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, yeah. I'm actually like overwhelmed. Like, and that really yeah. fed to the, oh, this is a hoax thing, right? Yeah. It only hit it really worked. badly New York, New Jersey, Detroit. Uh-huh. And everywhere else, we did pretty well. Yeah, right? real well. And um, 
you know, then we just kind of, you know, we're sitting here in March, April, and I'm like waiting for this wave, man. I'm waiting for this wave that didn't hit here really till June, you know? And I'm just like, I'm like, man, it was so odd. It was like a, a movie. Strange, man. So like, we're gearing up for like the zombie apocalypse, right? We've got tents out, we've got PPE. We're, and like, it was weird. Like, so usually the hospital I'm at, it's, it's more kind of medium, smaller. Uh, we see on busy days, low hundreds, right? And so we were seeing in the 40s. So it'd be like nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, card, you know, STEMI. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, respiratory, you know, distress. Here's our first COVID. You know what I mean? Like it was only like true, true emergencies mixed in with a little bit of COVID. And then as mm-hmm. soon as we opened up, like everybody's came back, but then COVID blew up as well. So now we're seeing like massive number spikes and, um, you know, we're as of today, completely full, um, looking for, uh, other resources. So it's, uh, can, can we bust a few myths out there? Like one, uh, COVID is not a uh, myth. <laughs> it's not a hoax. It is real. <laughs> it's always been real. Right. <laughs> Funny. So I have a, I wouldn't even call him a friend, an acquaintance that likes uh-huh. to just, for some reason, send me the weird, um, hoax things about COVID. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he wants to get a rise out of me or me to tell him, no, Dave, that's not true as well. (laughs) He texted me the other day. He's like, oh, man, my friend has COVID now. I'm like, oh, you get it? (laughs) You understand now? Yeah, Yeah, your mom's real sick. Like, yeah, she's in the ICU. Right. So, Um, yes, it's real. (laughs) It's real. Another thing, let's talk about contact tracing. So let's talk about, like, South Korea. Again, I'm not an expert, man. Just some of the results I've seen. They did a real good job. South Korea did, right? And I think right. they use contact tracing. So people get this weird, like, what is contact tracing, right? Like, what is it? People think it's, it's our privacy. Well, you know, how, how much privacy do we have, first off? Yeah, if you're on Facebook or you have this webcam here, probably not yeah, a lot. <laughs> probably not a lot. So what is the problem of having an application on your phone that says, hey, I have these symptoms. We're trying to, you know, look for the super spreaders, they call it, right, that they've right. seen. Um, why do you think people are so opposed to that? Because it's new and something they have to do. Yeah. Yes. And just like wearing a mask. Right. So I said, who cares if it's the best, it's the best option we have. So why not just wear it? Cause it's better than not wearing it. Well, cause then people say it gives them pneumonia or something from the mold of their moisture. Oh my God. Are you serious? Oh, you haven't seen this stuff? <laughs> no, no. Okay. So I did uh, a, I just put an article out. I just finished an article on this, right? Cause uh-huh. for wealthy, they have me doing um, some kind of video blogging and, and writing and stuff. So there's literally like these, these um, Facebook copy paste things, you know, that go around, right? Mm. These, that, that they say quote sources, but when you look them up, they don't. So this one was quoting Asha, you know, which is our safety guideline stuff that these masks aren't supposed to be used outside of the, you know, hospital ORs, you know, the surgical masks, and they lose their efficacy in 20 minutes. And then it's just, you're spraying virus everywhere. So I'm like, Okay, let's, you know, let's go into that and debunk that. And then the other one was cloth masks causing this mildew buildup for your, um, from your secretions, coughing, that sort of stuff, right? But it, it simultaneously cannot block transmission or of the COVID virus, but also somehow traps your CO2 inside and doesn't allow oxygen inside, and inside even though both of those are smaller molecules than the uh, COVID virus. So it's really just some dumb science out there that takes just two minutes of critical thinking to 
to really debunk. And so that was part of what this article I just wrote is and should be out in the next couple of days. That's good. We do need more quality information. Like I've been the most involved ever on social media. I'm not an expert. I just like to talk about what I see and why. And, right. you know, a lot of times, this is what I say to patients. I say, your anxiety's here. COVID's here. Let's bring it here. For most people. For most um, people, right. So if they're under 30 and they're healthy, like, yeah, it really is more like the flu, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fluish it's type much, symptoms or whatever. It's, much but, more, it's a much better analogy when you're just taking the population of, of the 30-somethings and under, right? Yeah. Like for actual death tolls and length of illness and that sort of stuff, it's, it's much more like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have like, I had a patient the other day, her husband just died of COVID. I mean, she's in shock. I just saw her for the second time. Obviously, she has it. I mean, her husband had it. You know, she's got like more GI symptoms. And I'm just like, I'm talking to her and she didn't freak out at me because I could see you just lost your partner in crime. Right. They died of COVID. You're going to take that more personal. So obviously COVID is going to be a more emotional reaction, which I understand. I'm thank goodness I don't know someone personally that died of it. Um, so it's hard because you have that spectrum and then you have little five-year-olds that run around like no big deal. So it's just, it's odd. Even the hospitals, can we talk about that? Like the volume is odd, right? So COVID, you, you seem to stay in the hospital longer. Right. It's a right. Protracted course, two, three weeks. Usually. So it's not like a typical pneumonia or flu process that we can get you out in three days. No, you're there for seven to fourteen days. So it's, we have it's so unpredictable who's going to crash. You have yeah, we don't know. Markers that we think help, and you see these CAT scans that are crazy. But at any point, it's this odd prothrombotic disease. You throw a clot, you get a stroke. You throw a clot, you get a PE. Lose your leg. It's 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 bizarre, man. Yeah, it's it's very very weird. Um, and that's what makes it weird in the ER because you'll see an ER that maybe that day they don't have the most volume, but half the beds are holds yeah. for so three, had, four days. One of the shifts that came out, we had 23 COVID holds in the ER. And how many beds do you have? Uh, if we really need to, like high 30s. Okay, so over half of your beds are patients that shouldn't be granted, there. Yeah, granted we were able to diarese that and get them into the, into the, ER, or into the hospital by the end of the shift, but that's what we started with. It was unreal. Yeah, it's just... Um, and I don't think people understand that the hospital is built to flow, kind of like a conveyor belt. And right now we're getting huge chunks of people that don't move. So the conveyor belt's not moving. And we're in, I think we're in crisis standards now. Is that right? Yeah, the surge, the surge. Surge type stuff. So, I mean, that's scary, right? You have so many, you have staff that are sick. Um, we can't even get travelers here, right? Yeah, I read um, there's a hundred... It might, it might be a rumor. I read that there's a hundred of Phoenix fire that are out. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, they're a massive uh, organization and they're seeing them right in the field yeah, all day long. You, you get a call for someone that fell, right? They might not mm-hmm. have their PPE on and then you find out that they fell because they're weak and dizzy and they had shorter shortness of breath and like, well, there's your exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is tough for them. Do you think, I, last episode, I don't know if you listened to it with uh, Gary Roses, we talked about just some positives that we're learning from COVID. So like, I remember before COVID, we would be like, oh, you're sick. You just need to tough it out and go to work. Well, you're not doing that anymore. You know, <laughs> like, like that's probably a good thing, right? You shouldn't force right. people to go to work just because, you know, I don't know, Ross needs to be open. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like even you're talking about like, even with the flu or the cold. Yeah. Would have been, mm-hmm. right? Like I would yeah. go to work no matter how sick I was. I didn't care. You know, yeah, that's how I was too. I, I, I've missed in what, since med school started one day of work. And you, you can't miss. No, but the one I did miss is because I didn't know what I had. So I'd just seen, this was before COVID. Um, I'd just seen someone that came back from 
somewhere in West Africa that had a fever. Oh. We couldn't figure out what. And I did a lumbar puncture. I did everything. And two days later, I had a fever. So I was like, oh. I probably shouldn't come in and see the patients. No, so no, like, no. It was more of a, not because I was super, super sick. It was more like, I don't know what I'm exposing people to. Yeah, because we had um, a few years ago, I forget when we had the Ebola scare, right? Which, thank goodness, um, we did a good job of like limiting the exposure here. And a lot of it was hygiene related. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, water uh, cleansing, whatever you want to call it, because in Africa, they don't have the supplies, right? So they're able to use water over and over again. It just kept spreading. Um, But yeah, man, I don't, I think we're, I I just try to stay positive at the end of the day. Because like, if I just, you know, look at, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I'll listen to them though, <laughs> you know, but I just, I don't go down rabbit holes. Cause like, I don't, you know, I spent, I try, I try my hardest to, yeah, like I'll, I'll read those and chuckle, mm-hmm. but I try really hard just to keep, this is a medical matter, right? It's yeah. never been a political thing. And I try super hard to, to just not go into either side. Right. Cause mm-hmm. everyone has their kind of political lean. Some people are totally in the middle, but this really should never have been, like no one should be yelling and screaming at people to masks to mask up, but no one should, but everyone should be like, well, wear them when you can. Like if, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be either side screaming at each other because this is all a political platform at this point. It's, it's kind of sad. It's just like, wear your mask when you're outside, when you're at home, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then I think about like the medical, you know, providers that went into politics. And I'm just like, think about like a Ben Carson, no matter what you think of the guy. I mean, his story is amazing, right? He came from poverty, did all this stuff. Right. And then he gets torn apart, dude, because he's, he's so smart. He can't talk well. <laughs> you know, like he, he, he uh, mumbles a bit or fumbles. And I'm like, this guy was a pediatric neurosurgeon. Like, you know, like obviously not a dummy, right? And then he gets, he gets lit up in politics. And it goes both ways. I just, I, I wish more medical went into politics, but I see why you don't. Because oh, yeah, like, I would have no interest in doing it. Right? Like they, they come after your family. Yeah. They, nope. um, they come after your title. You know, I shared a video with uh, Rand Paul. I didn't know he was an MD, ophthalmologist, but I figured, yeah, yeah, and he went to med school. He should be able to read a study is what I thought, right? So, and I just like to spiel of saying, hey, Europe has done this. Why aren't we talking about it? That's what I liked. Because I was right. like, well, Europe had, I, I think the US, and we're all guilty of this, is we're egocentric sometimes. Like we uh, think we sometimes. do it, okay, right. all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. think we do it best. And I'm like, well, if Europe is doing some really good things, why can't we learn from that? Like, that's odd to me. Like, it's, it's weird, you know? Well, it goes back to the egocentric thing, right? If we're best, why would we learn from anyone else? Oh, man. Have you traveled outside the country? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you ever get that, like, American vibe where people think you're, like, hoity-toity? More like they think I'm about to say something that's, like, a total dickhead statement. Yeah, you know? right? Like, like, they're like, oh, you're nicer than I thought. Yeah, you're, you know? you're not an asshole. <laughs> you right. know? And I'm, like, I'm like, no, man, I... You know, I, I understand Europe's got some great things. Like, we're not perfect. Um, yeah. I hate that sometimes we think we are. Like, I think it'd be patriotic. Don't burn the flag. But no. at, we should look at other countries, like, and be like, hey, man, they're, they're, they did something real good here. And medicine is medicine, no matter where it is in the world. So I just think it's weird. Especially if you look at some of the Asian countries, they just had total compliance with everything and yeah. um, really just shut down everything very quickly and wore masks and everything was contained. And we started that way, but then everyone's freedoms were suddenly violated and, you know. Yeah. I think, I think there's something to, uh, you know, I know a few nurses that flew to New York and saw stuff. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you actually see it in person, it definitely changes perspective too. Oh, totally. 
Um, so it, it was hard, man, because when we were seeing five patients a day at the urgent care, we couldn't sustain that. I was worried about losing, literally shutting down all six locations. Right. That's how I was desperate for patients to come in. I was like, you have, uh, you sound septic. Please come in so we can take vitals. You know what I'm like? That's worse than COVID. Right. Please come in right now. Yeah, and, and I'm seeing stuff in the urgent care right now where it's an, it's uh, ESI two, it's an ER visit, but they won't go in. And then right. primary care won't see them. And we were trying to like let everyone know like, Hey, we have two totally different triage, you know, triage bays if you're if you're sick with respiratory COVID sort of stuff you're going one way everyone else is going the other way mm-hmm. and it just the message didn't really translate and so hopefully you know the people that had negative impact from that it wasn't you know too great a numbers I, I never looked into that yeah yeah I um I think uh Dr. Brian has he he had a good thing I saw him like on a video one time mm-hmm. I don't know if I could ever be that guy man like to speak that He's well in an interview yeah, I know man he doesn't it's fumble. Voice. It's, that, it's that, that deep voice, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't have that voice. But um, yeah, man, so I just want to talk about just kind of some real life a little bit or like lighter subject, but like sports, man. Are you excited <clears throat> to have something else to talk about? I am a giddy little girl for the Phoenix Suns. I and why, so why is that, man? Are oh, they finally going to – Since I was a little kid and they've been so bad for so long and we're finally part of something that we're not the basement team even though we're the basement of the people there. <laughs> you no, know, it's you know, magic can happen. I think they gave us like in the Sims like one in ten thousand chance of hitting that eight seed. So uh, it's just going to be exciting to have. I think and as um, long as they're truly in a bubble and safe, to have this this on as a little bit of a distraction for everything going on. Yeah, I think um, you know we're constantly flooded with all this information, and sometimes I I forget how valuable. Like I'm more of an NFL fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like golf, NFL. I do like the NBA when the Suns are good. It's been hard to watch them the last few years. I mean, it's just just last brutal, man. Yeah, we made the playoffs in ten years. That's embarrassing. I think yeah. um, it's just bad management. But uh, and the Suns have been around since the '60s, right? They're like our yeah. a true home team here in Phoenix. Yeah. Like, there's a huge fan base. And up until this last 10, uh, 10 year period or so, I think we were like the third highest winning percentage of all time, wow. probably in like 2010 or something like that. But no ring. No rank. Oh, man. I That's cried. Awesome. I cried in, in uh, 90, 92, 93 when, when Jordan beat us. How, so how old were you? I was, I was like eight. Yeah, oh, man. Oh. So yeah. I, uh, I have to explain my jersey. So I'm a, this is Jalen Smith of the Cowboys. So uh, I think there's a lot of good athletes. You have to pick the right ones to follow, I think, as, as examples. But um, I grew up a Cowboy fan. I don't know why, man. I've been a Cowboy fan since I was five. But we didn't have the Cardinals till 89. I was born in 89. No one was a Cardinal fan, dude, when they got here. They were a garbage team. They played in Tempe. So, like, oh, the stadium was the worst. Oh, garbage, man. You, you burnt your, your rear end just sitting yeah. down. Well, like, either, either you were burning up because you were in the sun or you were ice cold in the later games. Oh, yeah. Because it would be in the shade. Yeah. And you're, sun. Oh, God. And I just think, like, now I'm a Cardinal fan. They're like my second team. I just wish I was, they were around longer so I could be a true home team fan. It's just, yeah. I've, for some reason, man, it makes no sense. I just have loved the Cowboys, like that wife that cheats on you every year, but I keep giving her a chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was uh, before we had the Diamondbacks, I was a no reason Boston Red Sox fan. So oh, okay. that'd be the mid-late 90s. I'm trying to think Nomar Garcia Parra. Oh, man. Pedro. 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 Yeah, yeah dude. Um, I, I miss sports so much because, like, I've had enough of – I don't watch the news at all. 
Uh, I try to tell all people, please stop watching the mainstream news because right, it's, um, it's all, I mean, you can watch your local stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Local, you know, about the businesses here. are leaning one way or the other and want, want you uh, to kind of feed into their opinions. And I try to, I try to just say that when you're watching it, you are supporting it. That's what I try to say. Like you shouldn't have a doctor's office where you just sit it on Fox news, put it on the nature channel. <laughs> like people don't want to watch it anyway. A, a health network. Anyway. Yeah, something. Uh, what, what is HETV? Everyone likes to see a redone house, <laughs> right? So yeah. I feel like that's what, like what, watching someone else play video games, like watching someone buy a house and redo it and do all this fun stuff. You know what I mean? Like this generation of kids all sit on, on YouTube and watch each other play video games. I'm like, it is, it is weird. Probably the yeah. same as watching HGTV. Yeah, that's true. That's a good perspective. I, uh, I grew up, I was a big video game fan. I just can't balance it. So I can't play them. Um, cause I'll just go hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, just gone for eight hours. Yeah, man. I, I can just be, I don't know. It's just hard to balance. So I used to play like Halo two. Do you remember that one? Yep. So I could play that. I was 16, 15. I didn't care about girls at the time. I didn't care. I just wanted to play 30 hours in the weekend. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, yeah, I was I went through that with with my friend growing up. We would play like uh, Resident Evil or Final Fantasy or Golden Eye, you know, all day. Because mm -hmm. Brandon, how old are you now? Thirty five. Okay, so I'm thirty one. So just a, a little bit of a difference, but technology. Yeah, I would say something else. I wanted to again. We're just kind of free talking, but um, I'm really glad we grew up in a time where we didn't have technology all the time. Um, yep. Like when I, I watch Stranger Things, I'm like, God, that, that was like maybe a little bit before me but like just watching the kids from that right like it's so much nostalgia of just riding around the neighborhood on your bike and you know hanging out with your friends like that's never going to be back no and how do you with your daughters like how do you balance technology with them so it's tough right so if uh we're both working and we're in kind of survival mode it's we kind of let them do whatever but we try to limit screen time Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we give Izzy an hour of quote unquote quiet time. She doesn't nap. She hasn't napped since she turned two, which is really a whole nother thing. But uh, so we give her her iPad. We have some educational games on there, learning her letters and colors and numbers. It's not the best, but sometimes we just need a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. Ellie, uh, she likes her nursery rhymes. So we'll put that like that little baby bum or whatever it's called on Netflix. We'll put that on and let her listen to it. And she, she doesn't usually just sit there and watch it. She kind of just walks around the living room and looks up and then smiles and kind of goes about her own thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so we try to limit the tech, the tech stuff, but it's tough and it's, it's really hard trying to be a role model of not using it frequently. Right. Cause they see me and Lauren on our phones or on our tablets doing work stuff. And they're like, well, that's what I want to do. So it's really hard to, to limit it if you're not, being the role model for it. And it's hard to not be the role model for it when you're kind of like me right now on the go and busy working and stuff like that. So it's mm -hmm. like I feel a little bit guilty about it. I think it's a good perspective. It's, it's harder and harder. Like I have apps on my phone that help me dose medications. Like I can't literally do my job um, without my phone. Like it doesn't have to be the way I could use the computer, I guess, or whatever, use books, old school. But I'm saying uh, like the, it's becoming more and more integrated in our life. Right. You know, I don't even need a laptop. The laptop's like more for, I don't know, I guess a Zoom call, but, mm -hmm. and I just like it, but there's not even a point almost because the phone does everything. I mean, you could even do the Zoom call on your phone. I've done it. Your quality probably won't be as good for, for posting it, but I've done meetings on my phone on the go. It's crazy. Yeah. There was this, um, I think there's, uh, I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk. I'm a fanboy, dude. I'm not a fanboy of many people. 
Um, so weird. I love it. I do too, man. I, <laughs> he, he's the weirdest guy, but he seems so in the cool. matrix. Yeah. And, um, I'm just glad there's people like him. Cause I'm like, I thought, you know, I, I think I'm smart sometimes, but then you think of that guy who was five years old and knew he was a weirdo. Can you imagine like and having that, uh, that amount of self-awareness? Yeah. At five years old, I can barely yeah. remember a memory at that age, but, um, I just like, God, I forgot what I was going to talk about, but I just, I forgot I get lost because I did a whole episode on just Tesla. Because <laughs> yeah. I just think that we need people that are, um, especially with medicine, right? So we we stick with medical experts, but I like having an engineer's perspective. You know, he has a physics background. His take on COVID was actually pretty good. I don't know if you heard it on Rogan. Um, it was a couple of months ago. Yeah, but- I remember listening to it. I don't remember what he said. I, I do remember him saying something, then backtracking a little bit, and then pivoting and saying, "Hey, I'm going to give you all these ventilators." Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Was, and he, he did say um, he stood up in California because every state's been a little weird, right? We've had, you know, every one state like California has been, you know, definitely one way. Then you have Florida, right? So you have these two states, well, opposite ends. Florida. Yeah, right. Florida's Florida. But no, Arizona is um, kind of Florida junior right now. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Um, but you get like uh, um, Elon that opens up his factory and says, I need to work. You know, and I don't think any of his intentions was about money. I think generally he's an engineer that wants to just change the world. I don't think his intentions even say that. Um, but it was nice to see that some of these business owners are trying to also have a voice. They just don't get the same voice during a medical crisis, right. which I don't know. It's hard, right? Yeah, there's not a right answer. This is this is like one of the the this is one of the times like I really really didn't envy being in politics, right? Because you have to make mm-hmm. these these decisions about, Hey, I mean, do we tank our, tank our economy or even as a mayor, do we tank our local, our local businesses and, you know, try to save X amount of people or am I going to look terrible by keeping things open and we're going to let those people go? Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I, it was, there was no, there was no right answer. Whatever decision you made, there's going to be a huge group of people that are going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. I, um, I used to think I wanted to go into politics probably just because I watched House of Cards. And I was like, man, <laughs> you know, it looks kind of fun. I mean, it's obviously just play, but uh, it sounds horrible. <laughs> like, man, they, don't get paid, they don't get paid enough. Uh, you know, you say one sentence wrong and it's blown up. That's cancel um, culture in general. I think, I think that's just being a celeb at this point, man. Yeah. No thanks to that also. Yeah, right? Like, it's just nice to be kind of left alone. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, watching like different shows. I got into like survival shows. Have you watched the show Alone? No, but I still watch Survivor. I'm a loser. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 40 but, uh, seasons. I'm still watching. Oh, man. It's just a cool concept. Um, yeah. Alone, the, sh- the show Alone, though, is about 10 people that get thrown up in the Antarctic, like North, North Canada. And whoever lasts the longest wins. They get like 10 items. Like they die or they say, well, no, no, no. They, yeah. They get like monitored and stuff, but guess how long, uh, I think it was season six or seven. Uh, guess how long the last guy lasted. Like in the Arctic. I'm talking North, North Canada, man. Like I would last maybe a day. Oh, it was, it was brutal. I was watching like, Oh man, I get real bored. They started having like almost hallucinations around day 60. Cause they were like isolated. It started, it was weird. But, uh, the last guy was 77 days. What does he do? Like, what do you do for 77 days? I don't, I don't know, gathering? man. You're gathering things? Yeah, he actually shot a, an elk with a, with a bow. He had a, a recurve. So just a basic 
about. That's all he had. That's all he had. Yeah. And, and other people would fish and then a lot of them would starve for a while. <laughs> and then some had to go home cause they, they lost so much weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just interesting to think like, Oh my God. So there's people right now that can go out in the wilderness the last 77 days. And I hate cold water in the shower. <laughs> and that's something, man. Like people that are genuinely equipped for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like, I have a, a hiking bag now slash bug out bag, you know, nothing crazy, but just like a basic stuff. If, you know, let's talk uh, realistic stuff, FEMA, right. They recommend like three days worth of stuff. Right. I think it's realistic. You had like Katrina, right. That was real that, you know, that was horrible. What happened to those people there in that area. And that was just from, you know, the flood or whatever. Um, so I think there's some balance to it, but I don't understand spending your whole life building a bunker under your house. <laughs> Spending 20K in a bunker, 40K in a bunker. Yeah. I used to watch the shows, though, because I thought it was entertaining. Like, I was like, like, all right, so you have food for how long? Like, how much rice and beans do you have? Yeah. Uh, Just kind of weird. Making their own hatch from Lost. Yeah, man. I, uh, so you have another project you're working on. Is that the, is that the box you were using? Oh, man. So this has been a journey, right? Uh, so to recap, when, um, the outbreaks first hit, uh, there's a Dr. Lai, L-A-I in, in Taiwan that built this acrylic intubation box, right? It's kind of open on one side and the other side has these two holes that you can stick your hand in there. They're innovative. It's essentially just barrier protection for the, the docs, the RTs, the nurses in the room when you're doing an aerosolized sort of procedure like innovation. So at the beginning, me and uh, Ben Reeser, another ER doc that you've worked with obviously, uh, he, we were talking just in chat with, did, did you know Matt Weeks? Oh, oh yeah, man. He's my golfing buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. three of us have this chat. It's usually us bitching about certain things, but I don't remember who was one of us put, uh, this picture up, right? This, oh, look at this cool thing. Hey, wouldn't that be nice to have? And then like three days later, we were just like, Hey, I had one made. Like, wow, well, that was pretty awesome. You went to, I think Tough the Needle was the first person on it had it made. So then we kind of just jumped on board and got source funding and made about, I think 510 was our last number and shipped them for free to docs all over, um, all over the country. We, we tried to hit the, the problem places first. I think Seattle at the time had gotten beat up. So we sent some there and then obviously a whole bunch of them to New York. Um, so it's pretty cool, like making contacts with people and hearing what they're going through out there and then, you know, being a little bit part of the, uh, solution so after that um i had sent some of them i don't know how much i can really go into at this point but uh i'd sent some of the boxes to mayo and then i worked with them kind of over the course of a few weeks to months about things to change about it that i can we can use this year round um and in the next i can go on another time with you i think in a couple weeks when we have all of our patents and stuff in line and, and really go into what it is, but uh, we should be can live. You, with, uh, can you, sorry, can you just describe what innovation is? Cause oh, you know, some of our listeners aren't. Oh you know, yeah, so when someone's in respiratory distress, uh, you, you need to be able to facilitate their breathing better, right? So uh, you have to put a, a you, you have to put a tube essentially uh, through their trachea, through the, in, you know, through their vocal cords into their bronchi here to be able to provide oxygen and support. Um, because sometimes they need uh, to put in a kind of layman's terms more force of that oxygen to really open up uh, their, their alveoli, which is the, the oxygen exchange in the lungs, um, or just 
more oxygen because the air is only what what is it 31 percent oxygen right frank something like that it's something like that man i mean you know more than i do i'm hey i'm just a guy just a couple of dudes (laughs) and uh but you know you can provide just pure 100 percent inhaled oxygen that way uh so anyways yeah so the the box that we're working on now it's not really a box anymore but it it provides covid protection increases almost like a satisfaction i guess for patients too that have it long-term covid and they're stuck in the hospital it's it's pretty cool and uh in about i think a week or two i'll be able to kind of show pictures and stuff that we're working on yeah that's cool man so you man so you've kind of used covid not that you used it, but you, um, I don't know, you, you kind of use it as a stepping stone a bit. To, you, you saw opportunities and you're taking those. I think that's really cool, right? Yeah, and it's not even, it wasn't even like opportunities for personal wealth, right? It's more just for helping. Like it's, yeah. you know. But it's your talent, it's your background, it's your skill, it's your opportunity, right? Like right. let's say um, a lot of manufacturers have stepped up to make masks, right? Or PPE, like that. So it was not only to, maybe they make some money, which would be good, but they also are helping people. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the company. Have you heard of Tom's? Yeah, the shoes? Yeah, I read his book and it, he calls it a green Gosh, business. Dude. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I just like how instead of, you know, there's this old form of meta, or a business that's about the bottom line of the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who was famous for doing that, but we've done that with a lot of big corporations. And unfortunately, there's a lot of corporations out there that actually help as well as provide, you know, profit and business and jobs. So there can be a healthy balance. And you're seeing that, you know, whether it's like you, right, you could, you could have made that just for profit, which you didn't, you were giving out free boxes to the hospitals. Yeah, we raised, I think it was 55k or something like that. To, yeah, just all that for free. Just you and uh, Dr. Reeser, right? Which he's such a cool guy, right? Like such a little hippie. Yeah. Dude, that's what I was going to say. There's no other way to describe him. <laughs> like, well, you can say he's like uh, the Big Lebowski. And then you can also describe him. Yeah, like, yeah. I was going to say you're like a, like a witch doctor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the way he dresses and is, uh, he's so smart, but just a, just a cool guy at the same Have time. Have you seen his hair lately? No. Uh-uh. Oh, he's got just flowing lettuce at this point. Just Really? Yeah, he takes it down. <laughs> and you're like, man, they'll put it back up. <laughs> oh man, I love long hair because uh, I think of like the uh, Vietnam bet. Right. You know, they had short hair during Vietnam, but after that, I don't know what it is. They just had to let it rain, and they had the long beard and yeah. haven't used shampoo in two, you know, eight years. Right. So going back to what you were saying about uh, the bottom line thing, companies giving back was kind of interesting um, that we were talking about Tesla because it's a good example of that, right? They're uh, they don't make that much money to tell you the truth for a, for a stock that is just. Uh, going up, 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 right? So I bought Tesla, I think, I want to say it was like like 100 or 140, you know, per share. I bought mm-hmm. it back then. And when I tell people that, they're like, oh, you did great, huh? I'm like, well, no, I sold that about 200. So <laughs> now I think it's like, I don't know, last I looked, it's like seven or 800. So it's, it's pretty, pretty cool company though. But yeah, they're, they're sort of, they're sort of similar to what you're saying, where they're not necessarily care about their stockholders or the bottom line. It's, it's, they're making kind of, cool products and helping and giving back to. And I think we, there are plenty of people that are in business that are trying to help as well as help their employees. And you can do all of that. Um, That's why when I heard Elon Musk, people were saying, Oh, when he was, uh, he actually opened his factory uh, against California when they shut down and wouldn't let businesses open. He said, Mm -hmm. come arrest me because my workers need to work so they can make money. Like I was like, this guy, this guy's not doing this for money. 
Like he right. literally sold every house and every possession he has because he gets accused at $36.5 billion or something he's worth of being about possessions. He's not. Yeah, I don't get that vibe from him either. I, I don't. If he is, then he's doing a really good job of faking it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. Like one of our aims with uh, the wealthy is, is targeting uh, underserved populations, right? So I think who we're rolling out with first actually is Head Start. You familiar with them? I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the birth to five-year-old kids for you know doing their pre- getting essentially getting them ready for school, and a lot of it is is you know Hispanic population here in the in Phoenix. Uh, and it's a lot of in the kind of poorer southwest uh, Phoenix areas, the Maryville area, the the so, areas yeah. that have been just run down for a long time, right? Right, right, right. So we've had uh, you know some pretty positive meetings with them, and I. I think we'll be rolling out with them in the next couple of weeks. Uh, getting what? What kind of things are you? Are, I don't know if you're able to share, but are you focused well, on, yeah. on from those years? One more time. Oh, what like what? Are you, what interventions or recommendations or education are you trying to provide from zero to five? So, like so just for this, it's it's getting their classrooms and getting some. Sometimes they do home classrooms as well if they're like mm. really young. Getting those programs back up and running just like we were talking about before, it's like this virtual classroom thing is just not ideal, right? So mm-hmm. we'll be screening teachers, janitors, faculty, you know, obviously the five-year-olds for the most part are asymptomatic, but we'll be screening the household for uh, COVID symptoms. Um, and obviously if they're alerted, then whoever's in charge of, uh, you know, for that, for that school or for that, um, district would get alerted that there was a positive and um they could send them testing supplies and all that stuff through our through our app and it's it's pretty cool yeah i think that has been something um that's been an issue in arizona like our clinic ran out of tests and all like urgent cares in phoenix like the last three days how does that happen poor planning really exactly like i don't know how that happens if you have have a virus that you're predicted to to affect 60 percent of your population and that's close to the amount of tests you need, right? Which is, yeah, I just, I'm baffled that I can't even, I should, I test anyone I can because the more we test, the better. It's never a bad issue. Everyone um, rang, I test everybody. I'm like, we need the numbers. We need to see them. what it's, you need, yeah. yeah. I don't care if you're... Go quarantine and, you know. I, uh, right. you know, I'm glad you, you feel that way because I think it's, it's more necessary because I'm having like, I'm, all I hear in the community is these providers. And I don't know how many. It's just what I hear from patients are like, my provider wouldn't test me. My provider wouldn't see me, you know, and I'm like, what are they, what are they doing? Like, you're uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. tough. I don't know about the, the seeing thing. Um, yeah. I guess I could speak to that a little bit. And we had uh, our first, well, my first uh, already COVID positive patient come in for a STEMI, right? Mm. So I'm talking to the interventionalists and they're like, well, do they have any concerns for COVID? I'm like, no, they already tested positive. And he's like, wait, what? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's positive. He pot like there's a, a pregnant pause, right? Uh-huh. What, what do I do? I'm like, come in and cap him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I know. And I'm, uh, I, I get it, man. There's there's a degree of fear if it's a primary care office, and a degree of wanting to protect um, your workers and not get them sick. So maybe that's the why they won't see them, but why they won't test them. At this point, unless they just are low on supplies, I don't know why they would. Yeah, I I went to the dentist the other day, and uh, the dentist would not clean my teeth because I deal with COVID patients. And I said I'm asymptomatic. I follow CDC guidelines. 
I need my teeth cleaned. <laughs> you know, and uh, I so I was, and they she wouldn't even talk to me because I said, "Hey, look, I follow the guidelines. Like I'm asymptomatic. I actually think I had COVID. Uh, I was exposed very early on in February. We weren't as worried about that at that point. But um, anyways, I was, so I was like, man, I just I wish it's weird how certain medical professionals, whatever area, some are freaking out more than they should, and some aren't freaking out as much. It's it's weird because like I need help as a person, well, sole person. The thing with dentists and you can say the same for ENT docs and the lesser extent like ophthalmologists those are the ones at least in Italy that really really got sick in higher numbers right because they're doing things in the cavity that transmits it so like for dentists they kind of get it right yeah they don't, I mean they're not gonna you're not gonna lose your teeth if you miss it yeah you know, I guess that's true. so I guess that's true yeah so I, I mean I get, I get their hesitancy there's so much unknown with this shit. It's just hard to drive all the way to the dentist's office. I'm excited to get oh, the right they, like, new drive team. all the way over there. Yeah, all the way over, man. And I'm <laughs> sitting there. Some screening thing the day before on the phone, man. No, Quite no, no. I get there and I'm like, okay. And they don't even make me wear a mask at the time. I'm like, okay. And I have a mask, like whatever. And huh. it, I've gone there since I was a kid, and I like it. And the main dentist actually said, "Hey, I'll see you." And I said, "Thanks, man." Like, baby balloons afterwards. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um. I don't, I don't know. It, it is tough. I think this is a good time for medicine. Like there was this anesthesiologist man in uh, Arizona. He had a YouTube video. I forget his name. He leads a group here. And we had a very emotional video in like February or January. Um, he was foreign. So the way he spoke was like beautiful, right? It was very emotional, articulate, but he talked about how this is our time to step up. Yeah. And I just like that message. I was like, you know, we can be warriors. Or, you know, maybe this is the time to reflect and say, hey, maybe medicine isn't the right profession for you. You know, maybe this, you know, the stress and the anxiety. Running away, right? Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, we're not Navy SEALs. I like reading their books. But, um, you know, we do have our place, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think the compassion is the main thing I try to keep no matter what. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, because like everyone's hurting, like we talked about. And then. I didn't even think about it from the dentist perspective, like you said, so it made me feel better. It just, it just hurt my feelings. I was like, God, I drove all the way here and well, I yeah, travel that back. That they ask you the day before, there should be someone on the phone saying, Hey, do you have this symptom, this symptom, this symptom? Are you in contact with COVID? No. Okay. Come in tomorrow. Right. That, that's yeah. Like yeah. It wasn't, it can even it be wasn't an automated, can be an automated system too. Right. Don't yeah. come you have this, this, or this. Yeah. But I mean, at least then I would, I would have called ahead and be like, Hey, is there another dentist? I'll see me. Like, do I need to pay more? Whatever. Do I need to, uh, I don't know, see, you know, go to some specialty clinic that, I mean, I assume if you wear a face shield and an N95, they'd be fine, right? I would assume. I, mean, I guess we don't know. It's better than nothing. But um, what do you think about, like, I don't hear anything about Europe anymore or the other countries. I know before COVID was here, that's all we heard about was like Italy and like, how are they doing now? Do you know? Uh, the places that co closed down are good. I think it's um, right now affecting more the Middle East. The last time I looked, mm. like they're the ones that are higher up in the that per one million stat, right? Where you see mm. the positive cases per one million. Like Arizona's still way ahead of all those. Yeah, <laughs> isn't Arizona wild? Like yeah. we finally lead something, but it's not a good stat to lead. We couldn't lead in education, so let's lead in positive COVID. Wow. I mean, we, can we just be out of the, t you know, bottom two? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like education's so, always bottom three. I think the UK is still having problems with it. Not mm. to the, not to um, the level of us, but mm. I think it's just, you've got one of the, the world's powerhouses that can't come together. So that's the news we're going to hear. 
So I, I think it's mostly the small and Middle East countries right now that, and then England or UK. Yeah, I just think it's, it's uh, man, because when did this start off? Like, were you worried about COVID originally or like, so, see, I wasn't because I, I, I didn't remember, really know like, about it. Was it December when we started getting like um, the whisperings of something weird happening in Wuhan? Yeah. And I was I like, I don't time, like, yeah, I'm like, whatever. That's everything. Wuhan. China and yeah. never gets over here. Right. Yeah. And then it kind of spread through China through January. And you're like, well, it's still far away. And the de- China was hiding data. And again, I was on the, the camp like, oh, it sounds like it's the flu because it's the coronavirus. Right. It's just mm-hmm. the cold. And then I don't think I was really on board on board till it happened in Italy, which was what, late February or something like that. Yeah. And then it got scary, right? You're like, oh, right. okay. So there's this, there's this hurricane coming and we got to board up the windows. Right. Right. Um, we didn't board the windows. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the government not giving like recommendations of how to just be healthier in general? I mean, that would have saved a lot of, a lot of issues, right? In general, if, if uh, everyone had, good cardiac health, better lung health, and they probably would have done a lot better with COVID-19 as well. Uh, I think, I mean, there is guidelines, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's health departments that give guidelines on where your food should be and, and all that stuff, but there definitely isn't great education. And a lot of that falls on um, the kind of minority classes, people of color. I actually had a conversation last night with a few docs um, there's a uh, Native American, a couple Latino and a few black ducks. And they were talking about how, you know, like one of their family members will leave the clinic and with a bag of medications or leave their hospital visit. And then they have no idea what they're for, or why they're taking it. Yeah. So no like, idea. Yeah. So like a friend of mine, he was, his story was, you know, he's, he's Latino. So he, he was, he was discharging a patient from the hospital. He's a hospitalist. Right. So when he was in residency and they gave this whole spiel of, of, hey, you have this, this is important to take this medicine. This is why you're taking it. And um, the guy nodded and said, thank you. And then Danny went, you know, went to the side and said in Spanish, did you understand any of that? And the guy's like, nope. So it's like, you know, there's a <laughs> oh. communication barrier. And then there's some people that just don't really explain why you're doing it. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, it's, it's multifactorial, but that's, I think that's a big, big portion of why, uh, health in general is poor and maybe even access to, to better foods and access to the knowledge of why you should be eating these better foods or exercising and that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I really hope more and more, at least there's different mediums for how information is getting out. So it's not just, you know, Coca-Cola. There, there was Pepsi product uh, sponsoring COVID testing events, giving you a Pepsi Cola uh, after getting a test. What? That shouldn't, I swear it happened in the U S. So they, they were giving out COVID tests, but you get a Pepsi afterwards. Yeah. That shouldn't but, happen. Yeah, that shouldn't I happen. In, I think in 10 years, the uh, those, those big food industries are going to be like Philip Morris's of the world where they're just, they realize how just evil they are, you know, general mm-hmm. population, or at least hopefully. And they knew for a long time. That's the thing. They used the same, big food actually came from big tobacco. They used the same tactics and it mm-hmm. worked for a long time. I, I try to use extreme examples so people understand. I go, that Snickers bar isn't much worse than a cigarette. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, that extreme, if you're, but if you're, if you're eating two Snickers bars a day, it's probably close to like a half a pack of cigarettes, right? Yeah. And we don't, you know, for, for tobacco, tobacco, we did a really good job in the country. It took a while, but we're down to like 13% of the population roughly smokes like, and now and we judge ostracize if someone, oh, yeah. smokes, you know, people look at it as, I mean, it'd be nice yeah. if that was, but now it, instead it's like, well, you're shaming me because I'm fat, huh? 
Yeah, and then as, as a physician, like, apparent health risks. We, we get beat up as providers. Like, I, I read a study, it was like 6% of providers will even acknowledge obesity. The other 6% will, will then talk about it. The problem is, is that I can't hurt your feelings because then I'll get a bad review. Yeah, and I'm trying to be helpful, you know, like you can be, I'm not here to shame you, but if your BMI is 45, you're not Ronnie Coleman, <laughs> you know? So right. we have to understand that the BMI actually works for 90%. I would say, you know, I'm just guessing, but 90% of the population, 80%, like it's, it's a pretty decent guess. Like, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm not tall like you, right? I'm yeah. Like 5'11", so my BMI is closer to obese. Just how, how much, how much do you weigh? Like 180, I bounced between 185 and 190. And you're 5'11"? 5'11", yeah. You also do CrossFit, which I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore, but you do CrossFit yeah, workouts. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, how strong I, I are do, you? I do hit with Olympic. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, right? All these I words. actually haven't been since before this pandemic because we... Oh, uh, man, that sucks. Well, I no, I somehow I had the foresight to get a home gym. So Oh, that's good. I, okay. I got an Oli bar. I got like 300 pounds of weights. I got Peloton. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're hooked up. So I just, yeah, I just do kind of hit training in there. I'll run a mile and I'll do a whole bunch of crazy shit. Then I'll get back and run a mile again. And but you do high intense stuff, which a lot of people don't do, man. Like I go to the gym and I go to her. I just like the old school type workouts. Uh -huh. um, but most people that work out, I see you like you're reading a book when you're on the treadmill. <laughs> like that's not... You can't do both at the same time. Like maybe you can put a TV show on and maybe I'd appreciate it, but you can't. I can't. Like, that's what I do. I put on old episodes of things like oh, okay. or old movies. Uh -huh. Like I went through the Marvel cinematic universe, right? Oh, okay. Movie. And uh, so I just throw those on and I'd get through half a movie and turn it off and repeat the next day. You know. But let's say like, you're, you're also pretty disciplined compared to probably the average person. Cause most people don't go to the gym at all. Right. Like, I don't, I forget how much the population goes to the gym frequently. It's very low. Mm. I think it's less than 10. I'm just, I thought it was less than 10%. It's like not much. That wouldn't surprise me. Cause if you take, you know, a good bulk of people just, you know, do cardio outside. So mm -hmm. that wouldn't surprise me if it was like in that 10. Yeah. Which, you know, we, it's been, it's been tough. I don't want to like go down another rabbit hole, but uh, you know, I'm a mountainside fan. That's where I go. Um, yeah. I do see some of his point because like, how do you throw a bar in nightclub in the same picture as a gym that, right it's tough right so some of the some of the gyms are probably fine some of them probably aren't but yeah it's hard to it's hard to delineate i actually want to approach uh some of the gyms about using this app i think that'll be a nice step towards uh towards reopening saying hey we're using this it might be on the honor code of our our users but you know we're, we're putting an effort towards there so i'm not sure well i think the the ceo man from what i understand he's an arizona native uh, he yeah, gets a lot of money back um he might be open to it. I don't know. Whatever keeps him open. Yeah, I just don't know how to get open. <laughs> I guess email him because I'm trying to put my business and market it through him. Yeah. I guess he does respond. I don't know. That's what they say. Okay. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's been an hour, dude. I've had a great time. What, uh, yeah, anything good. else you want to talk about? Uh, I'm worried for the baseball season. I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, but you're a huge baseball fan, right? Yeah. So I love baseball. I used to love it when the Diamondbacks were good. <laughs> like I'm a fair weather fan. You love when your teams are good. No yeah, way. And I, you know, then hey, you we've lose. Been, we've been good the last three years. Like we were, we're 500 and over each season. The first half of the season were good. No man. Or no. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. Maybe the first half of each season were better, but we've had three pretty good seasons in a row. 
We were spoiled though when we had the Diamondbacks ninety eight to two thousand one. Literally exhibition team World Series two thousand one. Like we were the the team of major league. And so I was spoiled. Um, so it was Brandy Johnson wild thing? Yeah, basically, right? And Kurt Schilling was, I don't know who, uh, Kurt Schilling was the, the catcher. <laughs> I forget his name, but uh, Tom something. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, baseball, what bothers me about baseball is I wish they, this is another topic, but I just wish they let athletes do whatever. I miss the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa days. That was so fun, dude, to watch them crank home runs. And, oh, you're talking about steroids. Yeah, I just don't care. That's <laughs> I how I look at it. That's how I don't care. Like, I don't. I think the only way to be fair in sports is actually just to let them do what they want. Well, it's it's interesting because they they haven't had like a a superstar and like the larger than life kind of um, person since that era, right? Because Mike Trout's been the face of baseball for yeah. Bright and Bryce eight. Bell or what is his name? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Harper. He's not even very good anymore. Like Trout, you like. I would say most people, if you don't watch baseball, couldn't couldn't pick him out of crowd. But like everyone knew what A Rod looked like, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was a stud. Interesting um, way baseball's gone. Same with like Pat. He's probably one of the other faces of baseball, and people probably don't even know who he is. Yeah, I, I don't. I guess a lot of these sports. I'm just such an NFL fan too. I think it's the best, most fair system. The way they do it with the draft, and you mm-hmm. know, I mean, they have their own That's issues with awesome. stupid stuff like kneeling, whatever. But they, um, I think, I just think it's the best dynamic. With like, if it wasn't for the Patriots, it'd be a pretty fair league. Yeah. Like, you know, right. there's a different team winning every year other than the right. there, There's a lot less uh, – I mean, you can't make a super team, right? And then you no. can't – there's not as much, like, draw towards, oh, I have to go to the Lakers, right, or I have to go to this team. Like, I, I agree. Like, there's a lot more competitive balance in mm-hmm. football just inherently. And, and there's player. other sports um, kind of still – I guess they're still doing – like, the UFC, MMA is trying to still stay valid. Like, you know, trying to put something out. At least we have something. Yeah, they only have like a fight bubble going on or something, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, I don't know. I just know I see the cards. Like, yeah, I, I see the cards. I used to watch that when I was a kid. I haven't watched it as an adult. I was a I was a GSP fan, man. Chuck Liddell, like you know those guys. They had the they had the names and the the personalities. I was Ken Shamrock and Hoist. Oh, okay. I watched yeah, yeah. it as a kid, kid with my dad. Oh, okay. All right. I watched it a little bit. Uh, and B. Sever and all those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting that they're staying open, and I think WWE is staying open. So <laughs> yeah, WWE. Yeah, that 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 sport is about, funny. Yeah, you want to talk about, you know, steroids? Exposure, exposure risk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited to have sports back. Uh, I know other countries have already opened. I think a while back they had baseball starting like Korea and yeah, stuff. Korea, Korean baseball. Um, you know, it's a big part. I don't think athletes should be idolized. I think you should pick like Charles Barkley said this. He's like, look, we're not role models. Not a role model. That's what he said. I love Charles. Not a role model. Yeah. I had no idea what that meant when I was like eight years old. Right. Yeah. I didn't either. I drew a picture of Charles Barkley and I wrote, I'm not, and I, it was spelled R O M O D L E L. Right. (laughs) Role model. Yeah. yeah. I thought he said, I'm not a role model. (laughs) That's funny, dude. And then, um, I was such a Jordan fan. Like, dude, I, oh my God. I like cried when he quit 98. Oh man. I was like nine. I, I like didn't know what to do. That's so good. Oh, it was good. Right. And, um, really? but he, athletes are hard cause they are put in the role model, role model, uh, position. Not that they want it, but they are right. You get someone like LeBron, right? Like that guy has been a stud since birth, man. Like he was five years old, they knew he was gonna be in the NBA. He's a pretty good role model, though. No, he is overall. Yeah, I never hear. Um, 
you know, any issues or anything. Nothing I mean, he's a little bit catty with teammates, but nothing yeah. like really awful, right? The worst thing you can say about him is his balding. Like, you're that rich and can't fix your hairline? Like, that's about it. I like how even in one game, the hairline seems to shift, right? <laughs> it's the magic hairline. Yeah. Um, I, that was cool about Jordan, though, even though it sounds like he was kind of a jerk, I guess, behind the scenes a bit. But he was a leader on the court. He was classy. Kobe, I the exact same guy. I, Kobe, I think so. Kobe was in the era where you, got, you just saw a lot more. So that's mm-hmm. why he got a little bit more of a bad rap. Yeah. And he also had Shaq, which Shaq – I love Shaq. I love um, Shaq. And Shaq wouldn't put up with crap. No. Right? Shaq would say, hey, Kobe, I'm going to go win a championship in Miami. Yeah, see you later, boy. Yeah, and then Kobe did the same thing, right? He won right. two on his own or whatever. Like, wow, yeah. Um, I liked the NBA when it was – I don't know, man. If the Suns bring something back, um, I, I do We're miss some cusp, of the – We're on the cusp, man. Yeah. We're on the cusp. I mean, we've been saying that for years, but there's something different with – the chemistry we're not getting blown out there the guys i think since Ubre arrived really really like each other and you know that's good held and yeah we'll see i mean it's not gonna happen this year like, but at least give me something to fun to watch we were the phoenix suns with nash were the warriors before the warriors and yeah, people don't know that minus the rings yeah minus the rings exactly <laughs> we should have won uh you know the spurs year when they that's took amari out of the game yeah that's but that's um i don't want to talk about it yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I like Arizona sports is brutal, man. The Cardinal Super Bowl, yeah. James Harrison, hundred and whatever, three yard. Crying in my basement in med school. Yeah, dude, I'm like, <laughs> yep, yeah, right. Like I was watching it selling TVs at Ultimate Electronics, and yeah, I'm like, that, what is? I thought we had it when Larry's looking at himself in the in the overhead screen. Oh yeah, when he ran, anyone's behind him and had that touchdown. I thought we had it, and he ran. He cut through the safeties. He's never ran so fast. He's never been fast. No. And he, like, somehow had turbo speed all of a sudden. I'm like, what? And then uh, Kurt Warner, man. Like, talk about a, a good guy, right? He's got a movie coming out. I still picture him bagging groceries. I don't know why. Does he still do that? or On the side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a cool story, man. Like, washed up, arena football guy. You know, he's got, like, five kids. I think, like, right. one kid has a disability. Like, he's just a great person. Yeah, a bunch, like. bunch of them were adopted kids, too. Yeah. And uh, he comes here and. God, he just couldn't get the ring, man. Like, that would have been – he would have been the hero of Arizona, like, right next to Pat Tillman. Like, right below Pat Tillman. But, like, I mean, that's who he would have been if he won the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? And I'm like – and it, all it was was sent down. He, he would have been or Larry? Because Larry – Larry's uh, Mr. That's true. Larry. That's true. It's just hard because the quarterback gets the fame. You but know? Larry had the most iconic postseason run there ever. Yeah. That's true. You know, but yeah, I think the average fan thinks of the quarterback because they touch the ball the most. Right. You, know, you think of Tom Brady, right? Even though, you know, Gronk, I think, is one MVP. I think um, the first one was Troy Brown won the MVP, I thought. Wasn't it Troy Brown or something? Because he played offense and defense at that time. Oh, way back. I'm talking oh, originally. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. I forgot like, about that name. Yeah. yeah. Vinatieri might have won one. Like, dude, they've ha- they, the Patriots, I think, are the best team in any sport of all time. That's how I – with Brady, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the Brady dynasty. You can't even argue. Uniform is unsettling. I hope they win, though, dude. I hope it's Bucks and Patriots a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I would think the NFL is a bit rigged. <laughs> like, if that happens, right. but if he's forty-three years old, I just want to know what's in the water he's drinking. You cut out there for a sec. Oh, I said I, uh, if you. He's forty-three, and I wonder if he wins another ring. What's in the water he's drinking? I don't think it's going to happen, man. He didn't look quite Tom Brady last no. year. He can still throw 10 yards, though. Yeah, I don't think he can dunk, but that's yeah. not the Aryan system, right? 
No, Bruce Arians is a is a deep threat attack. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. I'm pumped, man. I hope uh, the Cardinals. I'm excited about uh, their quarterback Murray. Like as long as he can learn how to uh, run forward and get down, he I will. Think we'll be fine. He um, will. I like a lot of the draft picks and the way the system's going. I love the coach, man. He cracks me up. Like modern day, like Tony Stark or something. <laughs> <laughs> him in his draft room at that house. You oh, know. yeah. You remember like, April Hill? Uh-huh. I'm like looking at him like, this guy's like James Bond, but a coach. Like, what is he doing? No, he's neighbors with April, right? So she actually found that oh, yeah. on Zillow. Oh, that's so funny. We're, that is so funny. We're talking through it one day at work. is pretty funny. That's hilarious, but. Yeah. yeah, man, there's a lot of exciting things. Hopefully, God, we need something. I mean, our best team of all time has been the Phoenix Mercury and or the Rattlers. But Rattlers. they just – I mean, it's yeah, the, down if you want to count them. It's the Rattlers. Yeah, the Rattlers. But I just – you know, are they – I don't watch the WNBA. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, I'm glad they win, um, but I just they haven't watched it. Are they used to win, right? Didn't they win a few or something? They won, I think, two or three with Tarasi and Griner. Yeah, she was a stud, Tarasi. Yeah, um, he had a bunch of injuries, but I think they just signed someone that's really good. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if the Suns could win, I could die a happy man. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, whatever. With Kevin Johnson as the coach. Oh no, he's no. He's getting into some some heat. We don't. Need oh, that. is he? Oh, I never mind. That oh, Thunder Dan. Thunder Dan. Thunder Dan. I'm, I'm all for Okay. Him. All right. Yeah. I'm a huge Dan Marley fan, man. Yeah. Even though he's looked like an old man since he was 25, I don't know what that's about. But a lot of probably a lot of sun. <laughs> a lot of sun. He actually is suing uh, Grand Canyon because they let him go the, fast. He's got the right to do it, man. He put yeah. that, that program on the map. He's got one season that they didn't play well, and they can. That's wild. Why would they? I wonder. Poor Thunder Dan. He he wanted a Phoenix Sun spot. They wouldn't give him a chance. Yeah, they gave it to Lindsey Hunter instead, which which they, he was whatever. Fired him, I think, less than half a season in, if I remember right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe Dan's not likable behind the scenes. I don't know why. Why doesn't he get a shot? Part of the story or not? Yeah, it's weird. But, it's um, kind of weird. Yeah, but anyways, man, I appreciate you being on, dude. I had a great yeah. time, and um, hopefully, we work together again someday. I mean, someday, man. Make who it knows? Yeah, maybe uh, create like a fourth business and <laughs> let me know what's going on. <laughs> for joints right yeah who knows dude yeah i'm uh my business is just more focused on stem cells i'm not sure what you think of it but uh, i've awesome. it's pretty cool stuff that's out and it's just you know given different yeah, stem cells uh, and prp and all that stuff looks kind of fountain of youth stuff right Should, yeah and the biggest thing the biggest thing for me is that i'm i'm not i'm not gonna be charging as much as like the big companies right it's just me that's how i'm starting it so I can take my time growing it and focus on the patient. And, you know, I'd rather hopefully help like my dad who has frozen shoulder and maybe it helps. I, you know, I let's try this. This is a easier intervention than, you know, a more uh, intense type of intervention, I guess. Are you going to keep uh, working at the urgent cares until then? Yeah. So um, I'm pretty lucky, man. So uh, you know how NPs are, right? Like there's a wide spectrum in, you know, the, skill level and quality i think you've seen that right um it's pretty crazy it's yeah it's an issue um but i think i'm a little bit different it's i don't know i just like to study and learn whatever so urgent care i got a shot and just being on your own going from a nurse man that's a big jump like mm -hmm. it was you know i saw 60 the other day man and i'm talking like three chest pains um i tested like 30 covid people myself i'm doing like lacerations all i have is a tech and a light x-ray tech that's all i have man and I'm what, like, what is a light x-ray tech? 
they can't do like uh like KUBs and stuff like abdomen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ankles and knees basically, right? And like yeah. elbow. But um so I don't have a lot of resources and so it's not it's a lot of times it's fine, but sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming. Uh-huh. And um anyways, uh I've only been doing NP since September, but now I did that. I did the internal medicine thing with uh, you know, at How one of the hospitals. Are you done there? I'm still there, but uh, I haven't had a shift in like three months because they only have two full-timers. So now they're not giving shifts to us. Um, I actually talked to Dr. Hess about it, but I was, uh, I wish I had more training, man, because I wasn't training to do internal medicine. Right. And I literally got thrown out there. how you get your rotation set up, right? Because you know know who's my student next month? Who? Ray Ray. Oh, good, man. Yeah, he'll he'll be good. Um, But dude, I did teach myself how to write an admission note. Because oh. I only did outpatient. So I was like, what do you mean? I, what is this thorough note? <laughs> oh, I'm like, what's your family medical history? Like, what? Yeah, I, I mean, soap notes, right? Yeah, I'm used to like very simple stuff. And I'm like, okay. And then um, now I started the ER. Uh, you know, it's a different type of ER, but they do see STEMIs and strokes and stuff. So um, it'll, be, it'll be cool, hopefully. Yeah, well, keep me informed, man. I will, man. Well, it's good seeing you, brother. I'd like to catch up, like, not on the video. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Yeah.